Today on the Homeboys Podcast, we are talking about the cheat code to your first rental property. We're going to cover the easiest way possible for you to own a rental property without having to go out and actually acquire one. Stay tuned. You're kicking it with the Homeboys. You're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys Podcast. My name is Clint Weatherill, and we got a very exciting episode today. We are talking the cheat code to your first rental property. As always, I'm here with my buddy and partner in crime, Mr. Scott Adams. Mr. Adams, riddle me this. What is the cheat code to your first rental property? What you do is you find some ants that are looking to rent a place, and you buy a little house, and you rent it to them. It's the cheapest way in. I think that's that's wise. (laughs) Actually, we're redoing the uh, little bit of the background here, refresh things. So Bryce, our producer, built us a little house that we'll be putting up on the shelves. He said it was like a 100 and something pieces. I saw the box that came in. It was quite interesting. Yeah. I um, I realized quickly that I was not the man for the job. <laughs> no, um, I think neither Christ of us did fabulous. It's no. quite delightful. But but in all seriousness, the cheat you code. You look great in front of that uh, front palms. of that greenery as yeah. well. I feel tropical with it behind me. You should yeah, I feel good. I feel good with it back there. You should. <laughs> you know, it's it's. What was it? What's the Zach uh, Galifianakis? Yeah. The, 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 Conversation between two ferns. Yeah, between two ferns. Oh, my gosh. Between two ferns now. A couple yeah. of douchebags between two ferns. Yeah. I'm Zach Galifianakis, and you're Brad Pitt then. I'll take that, yeah. man. I'll take that. Yeah, but in all seriousness, the cheat code. Oh, yeah, let's get into this. Yeah, the cheat code, it's really simple to having your first rental. It's when you are moving up in life and you're buying your next house or you have to move towns and you own a home. Just don't sell it. Do not sell it. Hire a property manager and have them turn it into a rental for you. I think it's important to first touch on why we wanted this to be a topic. Because this is something that Scotty and I failed at miserably. Uh, Me more so than him because I am in my 13th home since 2001. I always thought that if I could um, sell my property um, and make a few bucks, especially through my 20s and 30s, you know, my house was always on the market. I, w- I was never tied to any one place. I'm in, I'm in my forever home now, so like it's, it's, I'm, not, I'm not moving anytime soon. But looking back on my career, I wish I had kept most, if not all, of those previous 12 homes. Yeah, And we've joked about it. Like We've went back through because... I've known you long enough. You know most of the places that I've lived. Right. And especially with the run-up in real estate that we've seen over the last 14 years, like how much equity um, I left on the table by getting out when I did. It's bananas. So he made a lot of profit on each of these houses. However, he left so much on the table. And people don't understand that part very well. So we're going to link an episode that we did where we compared – uh, where we showed all of the ways that you make money through a rental property and how much more you make versus flipping a property by holding it long-term. Mm-hmm. So we'll link to an episode so people can kind of understand that part a little better because he made a lot of money when he sold all these houses and he regrets it. Think about that. That's so one, how- of my, one of my last homes, 
I bought in like 2006 for 40 grand. I put like 150 grand into it. I sold it, I don't know, 2015. I did, I did keep it as a rental property for a while. You did. You um, did. But I sold it for 450,000. Mm-hmm. Killer profit. It sold um, earlier this year for a million dollars. Right. Yeah, you know, so you was, missed that out. Was, on, that was you know several, a couple homes ago, but yeah. uh, so you missed out on all that appreciation. You missed out on all those rents you would have been making over all of that time. You missed out on having your mortgage paid down by the tenant. There's just so many ways you make money on a house. So when you're sell, when you're living in in your home, this is hopefully mostly for the first time home buyers who had their first house and are moving or upgrading. Just don't sell that first house. They make great rentals. You know, it's the easiest way you'll ever find to own a rental property. You already own it. Mm-hmm. And as long as you have a tenant, most mortgages, as long as your your debt to uh, the ratio of your rents to, to the uh, monthly debt on it is 75%, I believe. I'm not a mortgage specialist, so check, check with each of those. But it's not going to hurt you. You know, and a lot of people say, well, I, w- I was going to use the money I made from the sale to use as down payment for the house I buy. You know, it's hard. You you can find ways a, a lot of the time to scrape and pinch to make it work. It's the easiest way. Or if you just have a plan in place, like whenever you buy that the home beginning. that you turn into a rental property, put the plan in place then for your next home. It's a great idea. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's about planning and just... You know, it's interesting because when we talk about this, just a couple weeks ago, um, you know, I'm on worship team at uh, at my church. I play drums and was talking with one of the singers, and she uh, she said, "Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, as soon as I leave here, I got to go home. Me and my husband are moving." And you know, she went on to then talk about, um, you know, I asked her if she, you know, did she sell her her current place really quickly? She's like, "I'm actually keeping it." We're, Renting it out, we've got like um, three other rental properties, and we're just gonna keep it as a rental. I was like, man, that is so awesome. That's something that I wish that I had done. I know, you know, along the way, and you know, her and her husband, that was part of their plan, you know, all along. Their previous two houses, I believe, are completely paid off. Right. Um, you know, they've got an amazing, you know, financial plan with, and I'm not talking down about anyone's um, anyone's profession. But you know they're not in in super high wealth paying careers, but yet their financial picture is top five percent for their age group. Yeah, you know, which is our age group is is us because of those because of doing what we're preaching in this this right. episode. You would have went back ten years ago and uh, come up with uh, you know podcast topics, which you know, probably wouldn't have done that ten years ago. I never would have had this as part of it, but we've learned. Um, some lessons through this that we wish we had done. And, you know, we're trying to bring that literacy to, to our listeners. It's a really powerful tool. You know, you just keep the house that, uh, you know, that you've lived in as a, as a long-term rental. It could be amazing. It's, it's literally a cheat code to building wealth. You don't have to be a high income earner to do this there. It makes it so easy. You already have that property. Turn it into a rental. Let the tenant pay it off for you. Build your wealth through these means. And every time you you move, do this. You know, the storage of wealth in America for the average person, I was talking to our producer before the show. I was looking at all these stats 
on where the average American's money is. And it was like 90 something percent of Americans that are median income. This is going to get real weird. Median income, their storage of wealth is all real estate. So basically the average American's savings is their house. Mm -hmm. So why not double that instead of having one house, you already, when you move to your next house, keep that first one. It's very doable. It's, and it's very kind doable. of a set it and forget it type, you yeah. know, type, uh, you know, model. It's it's there. It's uh, you've got so many benefits from it. But you know, we've only talked about um, you know the the upside, and in most cases, this will work. What what are some of the caveats? Like when when would yeah. this when would this not work? Because this isn't going to work all the time. It isn't. So there's a ceiling, and every market's going to be a little different. And by ceiling, I mean, um, you know, if you have a million dollar home in our market, this will not work. So mm -hmm. because the rents won't uh, be as high as even your mortgage. So a very simple rule is a, the rents have to be as much as your mortgage minimum. And, and even, and even then we, we don't suggest it. So there has to be a spread between what your mortgage payment is on that property and what the rents will be coming in. And you can call any property manager in town to find out an estimated rents that they could get you. Um, so you can have that knowledge. So you need a little spread between what your mortgage is and, and what the, the tenant's rent will be, because you're going to have a lot of hidden expenses when you own rentals. So you have to go into this knowing you're going to have deferred maintenance. That's more than you had when you were living there, probably because tenants are a little harder on homes. You're going to have, um, all the usual taxes and insurance, um, you're going to lose your homestead in a lot of places, which is an exemption. So your taxes may go up on that property. There's going to be a lot of expenses that you'll need to need to set aside and the reasons you'll need to have that spread. Yeah. You're, you're talking about the, the level of diminishing returns with, you know, when, you know, discussing rental price versus, you know, the, uh, like the appraised, you know, value or, right. or purchase price, you know, if you will. Right. You know, so, so for our market, just to explain it, to where it's easy to understand. Let's just say, and it used to be close to this. It's not much anymore, but say you have a $100,000 house that rents out for um, $1,000. And then you have a $150,000 house that rents out for 15 and a 200,000 that rents for 200 at some point in rents time. Rents for 2000. Excuse, excuse me. Rents 2000. At some point in time, that, that level is going to start getting away. So like, say for example, if you have a $400,000 house, that doesn't mean that you're getting four thousand dollars a month in rent that that level of diminishing return starts to creep in and at some point that may not make sense to keep that as a rental unless you want to be in a negative cash flow situation and that is not something that scotty and i recommend is yeah. getting into a negative cash flow situation yeah so it just has to be a positive cash flow um, and it can be very minimal because keep in mind your mortgage payment isn't going up as long as you're not on a, a variable rate which you're most likely not um, your mortgage payment doesn't isn't going to go up over time but the rents are going to go up and the, the money that is coming in and rents is being used to pay down your mortgage. So there's all these avenues that will, will um, make it worth it. Even if you don't make much at the beginning over time, that place is going to get paid off. You'll capture appreciation. Um, your mortgage is paid down by the tenant. There's a lot of ways that you capture wealth through this, even without, you know, large uh, spread. But what if I just have to have that money? You know, that's going to keep yeah. coming up. That's yeah. going to keep coming up. And, you know, I mean, I said it earlier, you have a plan, have, have a plan in, in place, you know, from when you buy every home, what's right. the next, next, 
next home um, look like. But I think it's important. We always touch on, um, you know, investing, you know, for the long term. Right. And, you know, having some skin, you know, in the game, trying to keep equity in a property. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, why would you leave equity in a property? Pull that sucker out and go invest in, in more properties and, you know, go big or don't go at all. Yeah. Um, there's two questions there you asked. The first one is, how do I get the money for the next house if I really needed that equity? This is, We didn't say this was the easiest thing in the world. We just said it's the easiest way to get a rental property. It's going to take work. It, it may be difficult to do. You may have to um, do an FHA loan on your next house and do a higher LTV, which you got to be careful with. But I'm just saying there's ways to do that, that you could do this to make it happen. And if it requires some sacrifice, penny pinching, tightening the belt, uh, not buying as much house for your next house, you know, not upgrading as much as you wanted to for your next house that allows this, it's the path to wealth. And then the second thing is don't be tapping all of your houses out for equity and, and tapping the equity out of your houses. Don't, don't be getting HELOCs on every house you get in order to leverage this. Markets go up and down. Over time, yes, there is appreciation. However, markets are cyclical. There's times when markets are down, times when they're up. If you get into a situation where, say you have a daughter getting married and you have to pay for a wedding, and you've got to sell one of those properties to cover those as an expense like that, if the market's down, you're screwed if you tapped it. You can be upside down. You can owe more than it's worth. It's just a dangerous way. What if you're way. upside down on 20 of them? Oh, yeah. I mean, then you're in deep stuff. It's just, it's really popular in today's society for people to think equity. Why would you keep any equity in a place? It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous way to, to think like you always say, it's a mindset. If you are conservative in your investments and you look at it through the long haul, then the aggressive approach does nothing but add unnecessary risk. There's no reason to do it. You can still find the success without being that risky. So why do it? There's it, it, it amazes me, and I know it amazes you, whenever we're watching, you know, social media clips and, you know, the whole refi till you die situation and more, 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 more. Yeah. It, uh, people don't understand that when things go bad and it's going to happen at some point in time in your career, that it is a snowball effect where it's not just uh, home prices go backwards. It is the tenants... Um, aren't paying their rent on a normal basis as they normally do. So your 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 uh, eviction rate or turnover is considerably higher. It's harder to get money to go into a bank and get to, and have access to money. It's a number of things, and if you are leveraged, you know, to the hilt on everything, and then these other situations come in, it could be a recipe for disaster. And I don't think people understand that. It's just about more and more and more. Yeah. Um, it, Listen to us. We saw this happen to really smart, hardworking, accomplished investors in, in the last recession. We saw really smart people fail because they were over leveraged. People that you looked would look at and think that they're multi multi millionaires, and they were, mm-hmm. but they over leveraged themselves. You know, there's there's example after example. So why add that risk? You don't need to. So it goes back to this. You li- when you're living in your home, when it's time to buy the next home, just run the numbers on this situation. Talk to your mortgage mortgage broker about, hey, can I keep this uh, 
other property as a rental? Do I have to have it rented before I can close on the next one? Just start asking those questions. And once you understand that this is feasible, which it's going to be, it might take some work to figure out how you'll do it, but it is feasible. And you do it once, you will become addicted to owning rental properties because it's unbelievable that the benefits that come with it. Again, tenant paying down your mortgage. So you got money that way. You got, uh, you know, cash flow from it. If there's a spread between your mortgage and, and what the rents are appreciation, you've got all these different avenues that just help you build wealth. And again, the average American's money is, is in their home. So why not just multiply that? It's like that, that uh, millionaire next door book, normal people making normal incomes. This is a cheat code for them to be able to own rental properties and multiple rental properties. It's a great way to get into the investment property game. And I think there's a lot of people that don't uh, look, look for this avenue because flip this house and all of these things on mm -hmm. TV are so popular. Let's just put money in my pocket and you know what, then I'll go spend it, you know, on a fancy car or whatnot. This is a great conservative technique, you know, to building wealth for Scotty and I, it's being conservative and being in it long-term, conservative and long-term, conservative and long-term. It will work. Good decisions. It's amazing what 10 years of good decisions will make, you know, to your financial profile. This is an easy way to get into it. We're here talking to the masses, trying to bring financial literacy. We can do it together. Keep listening to the homeboys. Till next time, happy investing.